You're listening to the Hogbeat Hour with Andrew Hutchinson, Alex Trader, and Mason Choate on ESPN Arkansas on HitThatLine.com. Now, here's your host, Mason Choate. All right, welcome into the Hogbeat Hour. I'm your host, Mason Choate. The first segment today, we're going to be talking basketball, but before we get to that, we're brought to you by CJ's Butcher Boy Burgers, the best burgers in the entire world. They are amazing. They are my favorite burger, they're Jackson's favorite burger, they're Hutch's favorite burger, they're Alex's favorite burger, and if they're not your favorite burger, you need a new favorite burger because they're just amazing. Locations in Fayetteville, locations in Russellville, go to CJ's, get your burger there. If you're craving burgers and fries, don't go to any other business. I'm not going to mention any other business names because CJ's is the best. So go to CJ's, and uh now that we got that out of the way, now we have to talk Arkansas basketball lost the SEC opener to Mississippi State 81 to 68 in Starkville. So for that, we're going to bring in JC Hoops, Jackson Collier. Jackson, I don't want to get to the the nitty-gritty all the little details, so let's just start with your your basic, you know, takeaways from this game um against Mississippi State. What what did you see and what were you disappointed in? You know, uh, Mason, I was really disappointed in a lot. Uh, 17 turnovers, uh, first off, never good. That's um, the most turnovers this season so far uh, for the Razorbacks. Um, On top of that, you really didn't get any sort of offensive flow. There was no offensive identity. There was a little bit early on in the game, but outside of the first five or ten minutes when Arkansas was hitting a couple threes and really working on the drive and kick action, you know, they were just doing dribble handoffs and then uh, for the rest of the game and really didn't get anywhere. Um, you know, didn't get to the free throw line, didn't get inside to the paint. Uh, defensively, just did not play very well. It's just all around not a good game. Before the game, there was news that came out that J.D. Note and Chance Moore were out with illness and that Kamani Johnson would be suspended indefinitely. We had heard rumblings about illnesses. We I didn't know about the Kamani thing. Um, now I know all about it, and uh, I I feel sorry for the guy. But sometimes stupid decisions you got to deal with the consequences. So um, that's that's a big loss for Arkansas and Kamani based off of the Elon game. You know we saw a guy that made a big difference in that game, um, but Arkansas didn't have JD Note, their leading scorer against Mississippi State. I want to ask you, if Note is there, do you think Arkansas maybe wins it, or at least it's a little bit more competitive? Yeah, part of me wants to say yes, but uh, at the same time, it's hard to necessarily full on commit to that because what JD does bring to the table is a lot of scoring. Um, but this season, he's also kind of struggled defensively. Um, you know, the offense kind of gets tied up when he's there because he is the clear and away best scoring option. Um, early in the game, it looked like it was kind of a uh, blessing in disguise because more guys were getting opportunities. You had uh, the ball spreading around and good ball movement, but then that died after just like five minutes. So I really don't think um, having JD there would have, um, it, it would have been the same for probably 30 minutes uh, where there was no ball movement. Um, and maybe he could have moved the ball a little bit more, um, but at the end of the day, he's your leading scorer. So I think it could have been at least a little bit closer, but I still don't necessarily think that, um, he alone would have led to a win. So uh, the first half, let's just start with the first half. It was neck and neck nearly the whole first half. I don't think any team got m- out to more than a three-point lead at any point in the first half. And in, in the second half, Mississippi State came out and just really ran away with it. And, you know, Arkansas brought it close. At one point, I think there was like 14-something left in the second half, and it was a three-point game. And then Mississippi State really pulled away there and just kind of took it home. But do you think it was more of Mississippi State was just scoring well, they were playing great basketball on offense, or Arkansas just could not figure out how to stop them on defense, as we've seen the Hogs do um, with other opponents this season? I think it was the latter. You know, Arkansas just has some major issues defensively this year. Um, they have not been able to consistently stop drives. Um, they're overhelping on defense, and that led to some open threes. Um, you know, they only allowed 29.6% from the three-point line, uh, but Mississippi State doesn't shoot a ton of threes, um, and they were in the high 30s for most of the game until late. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, they still got to the free throw line a lot. They drew fouls. They got offensive rebounds. They got second-chance possessions. Um, they forced turnovers. Um, 
but all in all, just defensively, there are some major, major issues that I don't know what needs to be done to fix them, but they are not getting fixed anytime soon. It doesn't look like. So on the other side of things, offensively for Arkansas, this was a team that was a, a really good scoring team last year, and that that's a product of some of the players that they had. I mean, Moses Moody is a world-class scorer, and then Justin Smith in the paint. I mean, he could get it done in the paint, but it, for Arkansas, it seems like there's no consistency whatsoever for anybody on the offensive side of the ball, even J.D. Note. So, I mean, Arkansas has got to find some scores if they want to win some games. And who do you think is someone who can step into that role? I mean, we've seen Jackson Robinson. He's shown signs, but he hasn't been super consistent. I mean, we know Jalen Williams could be a good scorer, but it seems like he has no confidence whatsoever um, on the offensive side of the ball. So what are you looking for from Arkansas offensively? So coming into that game uh, last night, Arkansas was averaging close to 81, 82 points per game. Um, but a lot of that was even coming from the free throw line. They were close to tops in the country and getting to the free throw line 23, 24 uh, times per game and shooting really well. You know, Chris Likes is kind of the guy who gets to the line the most and converts from the free throw line. Um, so I think moving forward, you, you obviously hope that whenever J.D. Note comes back, he can come back and kind of carry on what he was doing against Elon and against Hofstra because he was shooting the ball well against both of those teams. So you kind of hope that he is still shooting the ball well and being more consistent offensively. Uh, you got to hope that uh, Chris Likes is still being able to score and still get to uh, the line and, and convert from the free throw line. And you got to hope that guys like Devontae Davis, um, you know, they're, they're putting up points and, and um, Devo especially. I, I think against Hofstra, he took way too many shots. And then against Elon, I don't think he attempted a shot. So he needs to find a middle ground. I think he uh, did that against Mississippi State. I think he ended up with 15 points and maybe nine field goal attempts or something like that. And that's a nice happy medium. But those three guys really need to establish some sort of consistency. And outside of that, you know, guys need to buy into their roles. Stanley Amude uh, came on and scored 19 points last night, which tied his most as a hog. But um, that was in the absence of, uh, J.D. Note, obviously, you know, uh, he's got to be able to accept a role of, you know, maybe maybe I'm just going to be this uh, low block scoring threat. Um, same with Adis Tony. He needs to be able to be the guy that says, hey, I'm going to scrap and get these offensive rebounds and put backs, but also be a, a three point shooter specialist in the corner. And Jackson Robinson is obviously bought into his role as being a, a specialist, but he's not necessarily really consistent. I think he was two for seven from three last night after a really good performance against Hofstra and Elon. So I think really you, you focus on likes, Note and Devo as being your three consistent pieces and then hoping that you can develop some sort of roles behind those guys. You mentioned Jalen Williams, and I think he's a very competent scorer, um, but he's not a guy who's super aggressive in, in looking for a shot, but he needs to be able to score whenever he has the opportunity. He needs to convert on the low block. He needs to be able to convert an open three here or there, maybe once or twice a game, at least shoot an open three. Um, and, and, you know, when he's getting his six assists and eight rebounds per game or whatever it is he's averaging somewhere around there, um, you know, he needs to add probably six points to that. So we you kind of hit on some rebounds there um, in the middle of all that. But Arkansas, I mean, like in the first half, things were as, as a scoring was neck and neck with rebounds. But in the second half, I mean, Mississippi State just dominated them on the boards. Um, so for the Hogs, they they what do they do with this lineup? Because they have some height in the lineup, unlike they had at times last year. I mean, a lot of times last year, their best lineup was Justin Smith being the tallest guy out on the court. And he was six, six. But now you have, you know, you got Jalen Williams, you got Trey Wade, um, Stanley Mude is a big guy. So what do they do with these with these bigger guys and how are they going to work them in there? Because, I mean, Trey Wade started last night, played 22 minutes and he had zero rebounds. So, I mean, you got to get better on the boards. I mean, we talked about defensively, offensively everywhere. So, I mean, they just got to get better everywhere, man. Yeah, exactly. And, and as far as what to do to fix the rebounding uh, issues, it's really – uh, how do you get your team to be more physical? Um, because must will be the first one to tell you the three of the past four games, Arkansas has been out rebounded. They've been out physical too. Oklahoma and Hofstra and Mississippi state were just bullies inside and Arkansas. Some of these guys have been playing soft. I think 
Um, Musselman talked about Wade not having any off or not having any rebounds last night in 22 minutes and a start. And then he also mentioned Amude only having two defensive rebounds. I think he finished with three total rebounds in, in as long as he played. So um, you have these guys that are playing a lot of minutes and in, in the post or in, in the four spot or wherever they're playing, and they're not really generating a ton of rebounds. You know, and last year and the year before last, you, you had um, even though you did have guys like Adrio Bailey in the first year and you had uh, Justin Smith last year, you also had a lot of really good rebounding guards with Jalen Tate, with Jimmy Witt, um, Moses Moody, all uh, Devontae Davis. Um, it seems like the guards aren't necessarily rebounding as well either. Um, and, you know, the first year when they were super undersized, um, Musselman had everybody stay packed in and you wouldn't or he wouldn't release anybody down the court early. Um, at the end of a, an opposing possession. So keep all five guys in to try to uh, get the rebound. And we haven't seen that as much with having more height, but I'd be interested to see in doing something like that again, where you just have everybody crash and just try to convert these rebounds. Now, before we wrap up here, Jackson, let's just talk big picture moving forward for Arkansas, because this was the SEC opener and this was, I don't, I, it's, it's not a must win at this point, but I think Vandy and Bud Walton next Tuesday might be a must win for this team who's trying to find an identity. So moving forward, what does Arkansas have to do? Because there's, I mean, there's people on our message boards and all over Twitter calling for Musselman's head at this point. So, I mean, do you think that this team can figure it out? There's a lot of game left to play in the season. So I, I think that they can figure it out. I'm not out on this team yet, but they're, I don't think they're last year's elite eight team. Oh, I, I completely agree with what you just said. You know, it's one of those things where I do agree that Vandy is a must win at this point because you lose on the road in your conference opener and, and the Mississippi law, Mississippi state loss isn't going to kill them as far as uh, tournament resume and tournament hopes. Um, but a Vanderbilt loss at home would, um, that would be extremely detrimental and they have to pick up a, some wins that are much less likely like a road win at Alabama or something like that to make up for it. Um, you know, I released my uh, conference record predictions and, and I had them losing Mississippi State and I also had them starting eight and two in conference. And I think at the bare minimum, they have to start conference play eight and two um, to have a chance to make the NCAA tournament because those are a bunch of weak teams in there. You have Vanderbilt, you go, I think, to Missouri, to South Carolina. You have some of these these weaker teams that you get the benefit of playing on the road because number one, that helps with the uh, net ranking for, for the game, you know, being a road win if, if they do pull those games off. Um, but also it's just nice to have uh, some weak gimme games to try to establish some sort of rotation, establish some sort of identity and establish some roles. Um, but moving forward, really just need to take advantage of any opportunity. And But at the end of the day, it's still SEC play. Nothing is guaranteed. So they still have to come out and expect to uh, fight, expect to have a, a tough matchup against these teams. And Vanderbilt's got some really good guards like Scottie Pippen Jr. Um, and Arkansas has struggled against very good guards. So it, it's not going to be a for sure win, but they really do need to try to come prepared and come with some fight and, and take a win and move from there and take it one game at a time. Well, Jackson, thank you for joining me today. Um, hopefully Arkansas gets it figured out. Um, that would – I mean, this is a team with a ton of talent, and they just got to work together and find their identity as a whole. Um, and hopefully they figure that out against Vanderbilt and moving forward. But moving forward here on the podcast, we're going to talk about the Outback Bowl. We're going to bring Andrew Hutchinson, Alex Trader in. We're going to talk with a Penn State expert and get you set for Saturday's Outback Bowl against Penn State. You're listening to the Hogbeat Hour with Andrew Hutchinson, Alex Trader, and Mason Choate on ESPN Arkansas on HitThatLine.com. Now, here's your host, Mason Choate. All right, we're back here on the Hogbeat Hour. Mason Choate joined by Andrew Hutchinson and Alex Trader talking all things Outback Bowl these next three segments. Hutch is going to talk to Clay Sourteague from NittanyNation.com. That's the Rivals website for Penn State. But, guys, let's start talking about the Outback Bowl ourselves. Um, I think we should just start with Penn State. They've got a ton of opt-outs. Obviously, that helps Arkansas. 
Um, they lost their their biggest guy on offense, and they've lost really all of their best defensive players. So Hutch, Arkansas lost two good ones in Traylon Burks and Trey Williams. But I would say that you know the it it, it bodes well for the Hogs when Penn State loses a lot of their best players. Yeah, I was actually checking out the uh, Penn State message board. Uh, earlier today and and the fans were like well who all has opted out for Arkansas and someone let them know it was just the two guys and they're like well how in the world are we still favored in this game I don't know what the line is sitting at right now but uh, Penn State for the longest time has been the favorite in this game but they they are missing everybody you you mentioned Jahan Dotson uh, their star wide receiver I mean he's a guy that's mentioned along the, the likes of Traylon Burks is uh, a potential first round draft pick, uh, just a, a really good offensive player. He's been their top offensive weapon. And then the defense is just totally depleted right now. I mean, uh, everyone knows about Brisker, the safety. I mean, he's an all American. Uh, he is officially opted out. It's one that we've, we've known for some time, but didn't become official until this week. Uh, their, their top two linebackers are, have opted out. Uh, their top defensive end. I think he's like an all big 10 defensive end has opted out. And then there's a couple other guys that are kind of mysteries right now. I think they've got a defensive tackle that they're not 100% sure if he's going to be available. Uh, he may have he may have opted out that he hadn't been spotted at practice. I think they may have a corner that his kind of status is up in the air. So uh, they have a really good defense, statistically speaking, but uh, it's not going to be the same defense that they've had all year uh, based on all these opt-outs. And uh, I think they've also got an injury on the offensive line that's causing them to shuffle things around. Uh, so it's going to look like a completely different team than what we've seen uh, during the regular season. Alex, you've watched more Penn State football than any of us, I would, I would think. So um, I, I look at the Penn State, you know, the stats from each game, wins and losses, and it's really just Sean Clifford and Jahan Dotson, and that's it. Like, they don't run the ball that much. They have a couple other receivers who, who get some catches, but – like you look at it and Dotson's averaging like what 10 catches a game. He's their whole offense. It's kind of like KJ Jefferson and Traylon Burks for Arkansas, except for Arkansas can run the ball. So, I mean, what are they going to do without Dotson? Cause I know that you've said in the past that if there's no Dotson, then Penn State's probably not going to put very many points up. Yeah. Except uh, Arkansas can run the ball and KJ Jefferson can really throw the ball very well. You haven't quite seen that same consistency with Sean Clifford. Um, Penn State, when you think about them, you usually think about a running team, and they just don't have that this year. Kevon Lee and Noah Kane, neither of them have stepped up. Noah Kane actually had a really, really big uh, season a couple years ago, and people have just been waiting for him to break out since. It, it just never happened. I think with those guys opting out on defense, it's going to be really, really tough, especially those front seven guys, to uh, contain what Arkansas is able to do on the ground. And then you, you kind of neutralize losing – the best player on your roster and Traylon Burks when they lose a top top X safety in in the country and and it's going to make it it's kind of it doesn't neutralize it because it's it's really when you lose a guy like Traylon Burks it does make it tough to to go out there and stick to your game plan and do what you've done all season to be successful but losing a guy like Jaquan Brisker does help that helps soften that blow a little bit I know some people were asking us on our message board um, how's Arkansas's run defense going to fare against the Penn State run game? But Penn State doesn't really have much of a running game at all. So, Hutch, I mean, you don't have Trey Williams there, but I, I think the Arkansas defense should do just fine against Penn State's run game. Yeah, I mean, like Alex was saying, when you think of Penn State, you think of a, a really strong rushing attack. I mean, maybe that's just because they're in the Big Ten and you know, usually those really good Big Ten teams, Wisconsin, Iowa, those those like those teams like to run the ball, and uh, they just haven't done that. I mean, they're averaging like barely a hundred yards a game. Uh, they're I want to say like bottom ten or fifteen in the country in, in that category, uh, averaging just barely over three yards a carry. Very un Penn State like. Uh, very very weird. I was very surprised when when looking at those stats uh, the other day. So. I think Arkansas should be able to to fare well against this offense. I feel like they've done a good job whenever they faced a one-dimensional offense. Uh, you know, like, like I, they have success against Mississippi State. Yeah, they give up a bunch of, you know, passing yards or whatever, but they find a way to win. Uh, you, you've seen them have success against teams that only run the ball, like against Texas. They did a, 
a really good job. That was a run heavy offense. So uh, I, I think that the defense is going to be okay without Trey Williams. Uh, I'm, I'm a little bit nervous that Sean Clifford, while he isn't, you know, a superstar quarterback, whatever, uh, I feel like he could, he's kind of comparable to like a Bo Nix. Uh, I think one of the, the players, maybe Grant Morgan or something, kind of made that comparison the other day in a press conference that, you know, he's, he's been there for a while. He's like a, a third-year starter, maybe fourth year, something like that. He's been there a while, and he doesn't have the most impressive stats, but he, he has, he's had really good games, and he's had really bad games. And uh, we saw what Bo Nix did to Arkansas this year, made him look like a Heisman candidate. Uh, so you worry about that a little bit, uh, especially if you don't have a guy like Trey Williams getting pressure on him and he has all day to, to do whatever he wants. But still, I, I think Arkansas is going to be okay and do just enough on the defense to, you know, the, the not really make it hurt them too bad. I, I think they're going to be okay. Uh, anxious to see exactly how they fill those snaps from Trey Williams. Is it going to be Zach Williams? Is it going to be Eric Gregory? He's a name I've heard mentioned quite a bit from, from teammates. Uh, he's a guy capable of playing defensive tackle or defensive ends. Uh, Jashad Stewart, he's he's shown flashes. He had the big tackle against Auburn that should have been a forced fumble but wasn't. Uh, he And so I, I think there's some guys that have potential, especially some younger guys. Eric Thomas is another one. But uh, it, it's going to be interesting to see how they, they fill those snaps because Trey Williams played a ton on that defensive line. Well, let's talk about Arkansas a little bit here. Uh, Tyson Morris was a late arrival to bowl practice down in Tampa. Um, Hutch, just explain that situation with Morris. And, I mean, obviously, without Burks, Arkansas needs all the help they can get with pass catchers. Yeah, it was kind of weird that, that he wasn't there whenever uh, they, they opened up practice on Monday. Uh, they, they asked Sam Pittman about it. And, of course, they were like, you know, is it COVID-related? And he said, well, I can't really comment on it. Um, that's – uh, you know, privacy and all that kind of stuff. But I, 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 based off what I've read, I think Dark Side Democrat Gazette reported that, that he had the flu. Um, you know, this day and age, you, you always worry about, is it COVID, whatever, because then it could affect you know, his teammates. But uh, they, they sounded confident that he was going to be able to join the team. And then I saw uh, Wednesday morning, he was out there at practice. Uh, university even shared a little clip from practice of, of him catching a pass and a drill uh, so he looks like he's back and full go. And as you said, that's a, a vital piece to the team this year or for this game because Traylon Burks isn't there. You need guys to catch the ball. And while I know everyone's excited to see what Keetron Jackson, you know, the true freshman can do, what you know, Warren Thompson, he's a guy that's going to be back next year, can do. Uh, you still need those super seniors like Tyson Morris, like Davion Warren uh, to have big games because you still need to be able to move the ball and, and try to win this game more than just, you know, using it as a, a stepping stone for 2022 for guys like, you know, Warren Thompson and, and Keetron Jackson. Alex, I know you've talked about this in the past, um, but I, I want to bring it back up. Arkansas, do you think that they're going to run the ball more or throw the ball more? I, I feel like they're probably going to run the ball a little bit more, but you know more about the Penn State defense than we do. Um, how can Arkansas exploit their defense, especially without them missing a lot of key players? Yeah, I feel like if Kendall Bryles doesn't have like a 70-30 run-heavy offense lined up, then uh, he, he might need to reevaluate that a little bit. This is a team that gave up 357 yards rushing to Illinois. Um, Illinois is not good. Uh, they, they ended up, you know, being in that bowl-eligible discussion because they, they – they, uh, of the uh, Texas A&M opt-out, but that's just not a very good team. And when you lose that game, it does bring questions. And when you get losing that way where they're just running it down your throat and you know that it's coming and you just can't stop it, that's what's dangerous for a defense. And not only did that happen, that happened with their best players in the lineup. So take those guys away and you're really, really struggling to find a way for them to stop the four-headed monster that Arkansas is going to be able to bring. Um, and, and then, you know, that does take some pressure off of KJ dealing with guys that maybe aren't his number one target. You, you'll be able to kind of, hey, run, 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 play action here. Warren Thompson's wide open. Davian Warren's wide open. But I, I think you have to run the ball to set up the pass, and you have to do it pretty heavily if, if you want to be able to take advantage of the de um, deficiencies that Penn State's dealing with. Um, guys, do you think that there's anything to um, the competition level in the SEC and Big Ten, because you always talk about 
we always talk about how SEC competition is better than other conferences. Maybe that's a little bit of bias we have, but you look in the SEC as of today is 0-4 in bowl games. Um, I, I feel like Arkansas has a little bit more to play for because they haven't been in a bowl, but is the competition level really that different? Yeah, so you're getting ready to get two vastly different answers, I'm sure, as someone myself who grew up in SEC country his whole life and uh, Alex, who is from Big Ten country. Uh, but I, you know, I, I always think that the bowl season has always been vastly you know, over, overrated or people put way too much stock into it because it's all, you get weird matchups. You get you know, some of the worst SEC teams that are bowl eligible, you know, that are six and six, like you know, Auburn playing you know, a really good Houston team that was ranked. Uh, you know, in a in a bowl or something like that. So the motivation's always different. You got teams opting out. I mean, even Arkansas, if they go out and, and spank Penn State, you know, it, does that really say much? Because Penn State had so many pieces opting out of, of the bowl game uh, on defense. So can you really put too much stock in that? I don't know. But I do believe the SEC is the superior conference. Um, I, I believe that based on, you know, just – you know, obviously there's Alabama, but you also get teams like LSU or Georgia or, you know, Florida whenever they're good or, you know, teams that can come up and, and, and compete for national championships year in, year out. Plus, just look at the NFL draft. I think it's – I can't remember how many years in a row it's been now, but our, the SEC has produced by far more NFL draft picks than, than any other conference. So I do believe that the SEC is superior, but I don't know if it's necessarily like, okay, the SEC is – you know, like the NFL, while the Big Ten is high school level, which is some what some SEC fans probably think. Uh, but I do believe the SEC is the better conference, and um, I think people put way too much stock into the bowl record. And I say that when the SEC goes seven and one in bowl games, and I'll say it even when they're zero and four, like they are right now. Yeah, I'm glad you hedged a little bit on that last point because I, I it is just crazy to me as as you know I. I don't understand the sec sec uh crowd just because i don't root for any team in the big 10 i don't want anyone except the team that i that i grew up watching to do well and, and that's kind of just how i am so when i hear sec sec and then you know you see a game like the florida game and it's oh they just didn't care um that's kind of frustrating because it's like well if they if they just don't care when they lose then what's what's the point of even going to the game um it, i i think there are years last year, probably the sec was significantly better than the big 10. Um, and, and a couple of years ago, I think you saw the big 10 might've honestly probably been a lot better than the sec, maybe or not a lot, but might've had the edge and you see that kind of back and forth every now and then. Um, I think this year you're looking to where the sec might, might just be a little bit top heavy. You've got Alabama and Georgia who are two very, very good teams. Uh, and, and then over, throughout the rest of the conference, you're seeing Mississippi State, who was ranked uh, in the first college football playoff poll, ended up losing to Texas Tech and losing badly. It wasn't ever a game. Auburn lost to Houston. Uh, Missouri lost to Army. These are all teams that, you know, you know, bolster resumes for other SEC teams as that weekend and week out competition. So I think if you're going to, and I understand that it is different than playing in the AAC. Cincinnati did not have the same schedule that Georgia or Alabama had, but when you're looking at big 10 teams, I think, you know, those two really should be considered the top dogs in college football. And for good reason, they've proven it time and time again, that, that they have that top level of competition. Um, I, I usually like to look at the big 10 East versus the sec West, because those are, far and away the best divisions uh in each conference and those are usually pretty comparable they match up very very well in my in my mind so i i think rather than looking at you know oh well they play in the sec so they've automatically got to be better you kind of do have to take that case by case approach and even year by year because it does you like i said you you do see those shifts where hey maybe the big 10 has a little edge or hey maybe the sec is just that much better this season you know how awesome it would be if we could get like a sec Big Ten challenge in football like we see with SEC Big 12 and in, in, in basketball we see it in other things I know we're going to get to see some of that with the other conferences with the alliance and all that stuff but man wouldn't it be awesome to see like the you know those two divisions like just match up like you know one versus one two versus two like that would be an incredible incredible event for college football don't think it'll ever happen but man it's a, it's a nice thought yeah, it'd certainly take an expanded playoff to where teams aren't worried about one loss ending their season. 
Also, it would just be a lot more interesting than playing cupcakes as your non-conference games. I think that I wish that you wouldn't play teams that nobody's going to show up for in the stadium. Play play teams that people are going to pack the stadium for, like Texas this year. Like, that was amazing. Um, but we're going to put a pin in this for now, and then we're going to talk about it later because up next, Hutch is going to talk with Clay from NittanyNation.com. You can learn everything you know everything you need to know about Penn State, and then we'll give our score predictions later. We'll talk a little bit more about SEC Big Ten, and uh, we'll get you set for the Outback Bowl. You're listening to the Hogbeat Hour with Andrew Hutchinson, Alex Trader, and Mason Choate on ESPN Arkansas on HitThatLine.com. Welcome back to another edition of Know the Foe. I'm Andrew Hutchinson, the managing editor of Hogbeat.com, your Arkansas site in the Rivals Network. After more than a month off, the Hogs are back in action this weekend, taking on Penn State in the Outback Bowl down in Tampa. That means it's time once again to go behind enemy lines for some insider perspective on the upcoming game. Clay Sourty covers the Nittany Lions for NittanyNation.com, the Penn State Rivals site, and was kind enough to give us some time today. Clay, I appreciate it. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, we are currently getting quite the downpour of snow in central Pennsylvania as we speak. Uh, talking to you here today after Christmas on December 26th, so we're about five, six days out from the game, but uh, otherwise can't complain. Well, I won't bother you with how uh, wonderful the weather is here in Arkansas, 60, 70 degrees. But uh, aside from that, uh, so, so down here in SEC country, I know many of our, our readers haven't really closely followed the Big Ten. So We'll kind of start off with a broad question. Could you kind of sum up the, the Penn State season this year and, and did it exceed or come up short of expectations for 2021? It was really a tale of two seasons. Um, obviously, they started 5-0, headed to Iowa City, ranked number three in the country. Halfway through that game, for anybody who saw that game, we're up, I believe it was 17-3 or 21-3. Sean Clifford goes down, that falls apart. Um, and that's really where Penn State season fell apart. They finished the year two and five, I think, over their last seven games, seven and five overall, a number of close games, probably should have beaten Michigan after going up late, had a chance to beat Michigan State, had a really, really embarrassing loss in there to Illinois. Um, on its whole, you're probably about five, ten points for being nine and three and the season that probably most people would have projected. But in the end, uh, I think it would probably have to be classed as a bit of a disappointment. Um, injuries, obviously, a big deal. And there we mentioned Clifford was hurt. Uh, senior defensive captain P.J. Mustafer was lost for the year in the Iowa game as well. Starting defensive tackle. Uh, had some injuries elsewhere. It didn't help the cause. But, but ultimately, they just didn't make enough plays in situations where they needed to. And now diving kind of into the Outback Bowl, I know that the, the two linebackers, Ellis Brooks and Brandon Smith, they've officially opted out. Uh, there might be a few others that, that aren't going to be available for Penn State. Uh, what do you anticipate on that front, and, and how do you think Penn State will be able to replace those guys who, who do opt out? It's going to be very interesting. You mentioned Brooks and Smith already opted out. Um, as of our last reporting on site, Jahan Dotson was not with the team, which is a big one. Uh, Arnold Abiketti at defensive end did also, also did not travel with the team, nor did All-American safety Jaquan Brisker. So that's, that's a pretty significant group of losses right there. Um, you're going to see a lot of young players, I think, at the safety position. Replacing Brisker, or his production individually is going to be difficult. But true freshman Jalen Reed has had an outstanding season. Keaton Ellis, his third-year player, has had an outstanding season. I think they should be fine on the back end. Linebacker depth is going to be tough. You had a pair of true freshmen. And Kobe King and Jamari Button, who played throughout the season, but they would like to retain their redshirt status and played four games already. So you're going to be looking at guys like a Tyler Elston or Charlie Catcher, who are a little, little further down the line. Uh, defensive end is going to be pretty difficult um, going into the season. One of the projected starters was Disa Isaac. He was lost for the year before the year even started. And now Ebiketti is out. You'll probably see linebacker Jesse Lucetta take some snaps. Um, with his hand in the ground on third down. Um, so you're going to be pretty thin defensively. It's going to be it's going to be quite the task for uh, Anthony Poindexter, who's also filling in for Brent Pry, who has since left for the head coaching job at Virginia Tech. So there will be opportunities. On the other side of the ball, obviously, anytime you replace a first-round projected pick in 
Jahan Dotson. It's going to be tough, but Penn State has some athletes there. Wide receiver Parker Washington's had an outstanding first two seasons. Keandre Lambert-Smith has come into his own. Um, Malik Mega is a redshirt freshman who really seems to just be kind of scratching the surface of his potential the last few games. I don't think offensive production is going to be too much of a big deal. They have some weapons um, as long as the offensive line can hold up, but but really they're going to be really, really thin in the front seven on defense. And let's kind of, I was going to ask you about Sean Clifford. You mentioned him earlier, got hurt, banged up earlier in the season. Uh, looks like he threw for, for nearly 3,000 yards, 20 touchdowns, six picks, but I know stats don't tell us everything. Uh, what, what does he do well and, and where does he maybe struggle and, and how, what kind of quarterback is he? Clifford's interesting because he's a good enough quarterback to get you in a position where two years ago he was leading a team that was 11-2 in the Cotton Bowl. Whether he's good enough to get you over that threshold, we've yet to see. He's had some really, really bad down moments. His, his 2021 season was really tough. He's now on his fourth offensive coordinator, going from Rick, Joe Moorhead to Ricky Ronnie to Kirk Scirocco for a year and now Mike Yersich. He started off the season very well before being injured. After being injured, understandably struggled a bit. Um, his pocket presence is not the best and his accuracy lacks at times. But when he is confident, when he can, can step into throws, he can make some really impressive throws. He's a, a lot better runner than I think a lot of people give him credit for. He's really good at improvising and making plays kind of on the run. Um, but it's Penn State's in a very, very weird spot where him coming back next year is, is obviously an asset. Otherwise, they would have had only really freshmen in the quarterback room. But he's not the type of quarterback that's going to put you over over the top in terms of taking that next step. And looking over the stats, you know, I was very surprised to see that the Nittany Lions were, were near the bottom in the country in rushing. Uh, well, how is that? And did that surprise you? Or was that something kind of y'all knew going into the year that that was going to be a, a point of struggle? There were some questions around the offensive line going into the year. Um, they brought in the Harvard transfer, Eric Wilson, who was starting at guard. They had a new center in Mike Miranda who moved over from guard. Um, Juice Scruggs, who was highly recruited and chose Penn State over Ohio State Notre, and Notre Dame, among others, um, suffered a very, very significant back injury as they coming back. Um, ultimately, they just didn't get enough push, particularly in the interior. Um, the two guards in the center did not play strongly enough. They didn't move people off the ball. They weren't physical enough. Uh, Rashid Walker took what I would call a step back at left tackle, uh, right tackle. Caden Wallace was highly recruited, a Rivals 100 guy, but probably better suited for guard down the line. Um, the physicality just wasn't there. Um, then the running backs, I would say, didn't do them a ton of favors. You had John Lovett coming over from Baylor, who was a big transfer and really didn't get things going. Noah Kane had a fantastic freshman year a few years ago and since has had injury problems, who which have really, really slowed his progress. Um, Kevon Lee was a big time back out of high school, a Rivals 250 kid who can be very physical, but it's 6'1", 6'2", 230, 240, probably doesn't run as physical as he should and runs a bit upright and tries to dance a bit too much. So it was a mix of things. I think the offensive line didn't move enough people out of the way and the running backs didn't do them favors when they did. And moving over to the other side of the ball, how would you characterize Penn State's defensive scheme and, and does anything change? You mentioned Brent Pry leaving to, to go to Virginia Tech as the head coach. Does, does anything change with that uh, coaching change? I don't think you'll see any market changes, obviously. Um, the big thing was Manny Diaz coming in. He will not coach the bowl game, obviously. Anthony Poindexter was the co-defensive coordinator and safeties coach is going to take over that duty. Um, on the back end, very long, very athletic, even without Brisker. Um, at linebacker, they had some very athletic linebackers in, in Brandon Smith, um, Ellis Brooks calling calling things in the middle. Um, Arnold Evacetti was a transfer from Temple who had a fantastic year and is now probably – I would think a day two NFL draft pick somewhere in that second, third round range. Um, but they're going to be thin. Abiketti was really their, their only elite pass rusher. Uh, Lucetta had some, some great plays there, but he's going to be mostly playing linebacker in the bowl game. Um, I see you're probably going to see a lot of bend, but don't break. Um, a good amount of blitzing. It's going to be interesting to see how much time Arkansas has to throw the ball. If they have time, it's going to be tough on the back end, even though I think 
Penn State's corners and safeties are very talented. There's only so long you can hold up. Um, a very turnover-driven team. They were in the top half of the Big Ten, top 25% of the country in, in terms of turnover margin. Um, ball hawking on the back end, Jair Brown had, I believe, five or six turnovers from the safety position, and he's going to really step into that leadership role in place of Brisker. Um, so it's going to be interesting. It's um, a really, really talented red zone defense, a lot of length, a lot of speed. Um, but but if the game's going to be be won, the defense is really going to have to step up and some kids who weren't playing a lot are going to have to step into those roles. And kind of along those same lines, you know, with all those defensive guys that are, are not going to be available uh, and, you know, those are some really key players. How would you attack if you were an offensive coordinator going into this, you know, outback bowl, how would you personally try to attack this defense? Is there any specific areas that you think you could exploit that Arkansas could exploit uh, that would benefit them? Yeah, I've got to think both in the run game and in the pass game, the middle of the field is going to be tough. Um, Curtis Jacobs is one of the returning linebackers, had a fantastic sophomore season, was a top 50 recruit and a really, really athletic player at linebacker. But otherwise, you're talking about guys mixed in there. Uh, he and Luketa are not going to play every snap, so, so it's going to make things tough. Um, whether that's tight ends down the seam attract, att attacking where Brisker would have been, whether that's running counter or, run, or a lot of pre-snap motion to get linebackers looking in different directions. I got to say attacking the middle of the field is going to be a big one, particularly with PJ Mustafer being out, um, Arnold Lebichetti being out. Uh, Derek Tangelo was one that we're not really sure of the status at, at defensive tackle, uh, transfer from Duke who had a pretty good year. And I would probably have a fifth or sixth round grade on the draft. Um, so the middle of the field is really an area where I think that Arkansas could really succeed. And finally, I'll wrap it up with this. You know, Penn State, I think open is like a four-point favorite. Uh, seems to be a lot closer now. The last time I checked, I think even some places maybe even have it as a pick -em. Uh You don't necessarily have to give a prediction here, but I'm curious how you kind of see this game playing out. I was one of the the rare few that, that liked the Hogs even before all the opt-outs. Now, there was a little bit of inkling that the players wouldn't play, and I'm sure that was the case on, on your end as well in terms of having a feeling that certain guys would or wouldn't at this point. Um, I think right now I like Arkansas. I still think it'll be close. I think there's an element of pride there that they won't let Penn State blow, get blown out, but I could see something in the, the 30, 24, 30, 27 range there. Well, that's all I have for you, Clay. Yeah, thanks again for, for giving us some great insight on the Nittany Lions. And as a reminder to everyone listening, that uh, kickoff is scheduled for 11 a.m. Central on Saturday, New Year's Day and the game will be televised on ESPN2. And if you're watching this on YouTube, be sure to hit that subscribe button so you can always see these Know the Foe interviews, as well as press conferences, practice clips, recruiting videos, and much more. And as always, be sure to check out hogbeat.com for our coverage of all things Arkansas. You're listening to the Hogbeat Hour with Andrew Hutchinson, Alex Trader, and Mason Choate on ESPN Arkansas and HitThatLine.com. Now, here's your host, Mason Choate. All right, we're back here on the Hogbeat Hour. Good stuff from Clay last segment, so we're going to get you set for the Outback Bowl. This segment, some more. So, Hutch, start it off. Let's just talk about the significance of the bowl because it's been a minute since Arkansas has been to a bowl and a meaningful bowl at that. Um, is this – this is a meaningful bowl because it's it's just a bowl in general for Arkansas, but it's a Florida bowl. It's the Outback Bowl. It's a big deal. Yeah, I mean, throw on the fact that it's on New Year's Day and it's the first game. It's the first game of 2022. That, that was a thought that dawned on me this morning was that, you know, that that's – it's going to be the first game college football fans across the country get to see in the new year. So – it is definitely a big deal. I know we were talking about it a couple of segments ago about, you know, how, oh, well, Florida just didn't care so that you shouldn't think about that. Well, you're not going to be able to say that about Arkansas. Arkansas cares about this game. Yes, they had Traylon Burks opt out. Um, that was kind of a, a given with him being a first-round pick. But other than that, you know, Trey Williams opted out. That's really only because he got popped for a DWI. Uh, probably wouldn't have otherwise. So, uh, the guys on the team, they all want to play. I mean, you could see John Ridgway opt out, but he said the other day that you know, he was raised that he's going to finish what he starts and he wants to finish this season 
strong. So this this would be a, a massive game, massive win for Arkansas if they were to get it done to go nine and three or nine and four in Sam Pittman's second year. I mean, I I would have said it was a successful two years if Arkansas won nine games the first two years combined, and here they are with the with the possibility of winning nine games in a season. Uh, finishing in the top 25, you'd think that would be a lot considering they're, I think, number 22 in the AP poll right now. Uh, so it would be huge. Plus, it would just go kind of against the trend for Arkansas in history. I mean, they, they do not have a good bowl record. It's it's pretty bad, if we're being honest. They're, it's pretty bad in Florida. I don't think they've ever won a bowl game in Florida. I don't think they've ever won a, a bowl game against the Big Ten. I mean, they've hardly ever beaten a Big Ten team, period. I think they beat Northwestern back in the early 80s or something like that, but that doesn't really mean anything. So it would be a, a really big game for Arkansas to win. Uh, and Penn State, you know, they, they credit to them. They, they could have easily found a way to, to opt out or get out of the game with COVID and stuff like that. But as of right now, it seems like they want to play and uh, they're going to try to throw together a defense, you know, down several starters. And, and I just don't know if they're going to be as fired up and, and as motivated as Arkansas is going to be, and that could bode well for Arkansas. I like what you talked about with the the importance of this game to Arkansas because you said, you know, it would have been good if Arkansas wins nine games in two over two seasons, and that's kind of what I was expecting going into the year. I, I predicted Arkansas to be six and six, and here they are, eight and four, exceeding all expectations. And the big thing is this bowl game does mean a lot to them because it's something that a lot of these older guys, like you think of a Grant Morgan, um, that this is their first bowl game to play for Arkansas. And it's a it's a big deal, and Arkansas wants it bad. Now, Alex, how bad does Penn State want it? Because, I mean, what, they were like 11-2 and two just a couple of years ago. So, that it, it, I don't know. I'm not in Penn State's locker room. I don't know what they're thinking. But maybe this game means a little bit more to Arkansas than it does to Penn State. Yeah, I, th- I think that's certainly fair to say. Um Penn State, you know, just based on what they've done in recent years, is used to playing for Rose Bowls. They they my, they don't usually win the Big Ten. They did once, um, but you know, it, it ends up where they they end up in the Rose Bowl a lot, and they they get there, and that's a really it's the granddaddy of them all. It, it is a significant uh, situation to be in, and the Outback Bowl is great. It is a New Year's Day bowl. It's a uh, you get to play in Florida. It, it's it's great. And it's a, a great setup for them to be in, especially after the season they had where they really haven't done um, what was expected of them. But I, I saw a chatter even on the Penn state board today where, Hey, you know, would our guys still be opting out if, if this was the Rose bowl, would they be doing this? Would they be doing that? And that's, I think a, a college football problem. I don't think that's a, Oh, well, it's Arkansas. So we're not going to get suited up for it. I think that's a college football problem where you have to put some emphasis on, Oh, maybe uh, I saw a ch- talk that, that maybe, uh, some bowls will be paying an MVP uh, just because, you know, it, it draws them in and makes them want to keep playing. Um, I think that's a good idea, but I think, you know, with, with NIL, you, you'll see some guys sticking around just because that's what their deals want. But uh, there does need to be a little bit more change to help keep the motivation in there because seeing an Arkan- a full strength Arkansas, full state Penn State or full strength Penn State game would be great. It'd be a great matchup this season. And now I think it does skew a lot more one way. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with you there. I think that that's one thing that it could be a little bit disappointing because it's like you want to you want best on best. That's good football, but you're not really going to get that, especially from the Penn State side. And I think part of that kind of how I set up this question is because maybe Arkansas wants it more, um, especially your older guys. And Hutch mentioned John Ridgeway. He wants to play in this game and finish what he started. Um, but I, I, we kind of have to hit this just real quick. With all the cancellations, I mean, we saw the UCLA-NC State situation. That was just terrible. But, Hutch, I mean, as of now, we're not worried about anything happening. It would it would just be horrible if something happened. But I think we're confident with both teams down there that the game is going to be played. As of right now, I believe, yes, we are confident it's going to happen. I mean, there there's always that little bit of concern just because of the era that we're in. I mean, this is the, the era of COVID. You never know when it's going to happen. There's games that have been canceled right, you know, a few hours before kickoff. I hope that doesn't happen. I'm going to be very upset if I get in a plane on Thursday and the game gets canceled while I'm in the air. Uh, news typically happens to happen whenever I'm in the air. Uh, so hopefully that doesn't happen. 
uh, and the game gets played and we get to see, you know, Arkansas versus Penn State, even if the, you know, teams aren't full strength. I mean, I would have loved to have seen Traylon Burks and Jahan Dotson on the same field. That would have been incredible. But uh, I, I'm just wanting to see a football game at this point. Yeah, that I mean, that's exactly what it is. You just want to watch the football game. And, you know, for most of our listeners who are Razorback fans, you want to see Arkansas win a bowl game. I mean, how how awesome is that, that Arkansas is finally in a bowl game after those two years that you don't want to talk about anymore? Here you are. You're in the Outback Bowl on New Year's Day. Um, so, guys, let's talk about the Outback Bowl. Let's talk about our predictions here. Um, Alex, I'm going to let you go first with your score prediction, and then we'll also have a score prediction story going out. Um, probably Friday, maybe Saturday morning. We'll figure that out. But, Alex, go with your score prediction. Yeah, like I said before, I think coming into this game, when you hear the matchup, you're like, oh, shoot, that's going to be awesome. You've got a great defense against a a very potent Arkansas offense. The matchups work out really well. Um, Now I think Arkansas really does have every advantage in this matchup that you you could be looking for. Uh, You lose your best receiver and oh boom they lose their best db it just makes it really tough your strength is running the ball they lose their their almost their entire front seven um i think like i said before kendall bryles needs to make sure that they're very run heavy in this game uh you should be able to stop the run on the other side because you're not going against alabama you're not going against georgia you're going against a team that really has struggled all season to move the ball on the ground um and without Jahan Dotson, they may struggle to move the ball through the air. I'm just really not sure how they're going to put points on the board. Um, and, and even if Arkansas doesn't go go nuclear in this game, I think they'll be able to do enough to probably come away with a fairly significant win. No, I, I agree with you there. I, you talk about the opt-outs. You talk about, you know, Penn State loses their best DB when Arkansas loses their best receiver. Well, Penn State also loses their best receiver, and Arkansas keeps their entire secondary. Um, so, and then, you, you know, a guy like maybe Traylon Smith in the Arkansas backfield, he could opt it out or chose, chosen to do whatever he wanted, but he's there. Arkansas has their full backfield. Um, Arkansas wants it more. I've mentioned that many times, but I, I think Arkansas is going to win this one big. Um, I think at least two touchdowns, Arkansas is going to win it by, um, Hutch, go ahead and bring us home. Yeah, I just know Arkansas's bowl history and their history of playing Big Ten teams. I think we're in for a lot closer of a game than, than what some people expect. I mean, on paper, you look at it and you think, oh, well, Arkansas should blow them out now that they don't have anybody left on defense. But uh, I think it's still going to be a decently close game. I think Sean Clifford is going to go out there and have a game a lot better than people expect. I don't know if it's going to be quite, you know, Bo Nix level like we saw from uh, the Auburn quarterback this year against Arkansas, but I do think he's going to have success. He's going to keep him in the game, but I do see Arkansas kind of controlling the controlling the clock, controlling the line of scrimmage, running the ball. Uh, KJ Jefferson, I think, is going to get involved in the run game, and and maybe maybe we see his first hundred yard rushing game. Uh, I know that's kind of what I'm I'm looking forward to doing because I've got some stats lined up for that. But uh, I think that's kind of how it's going to play out. I think Arkansas wins this one. Uh, maybe by a touchdown, uh, I could see them winning by ten, but I think it's going to be a one-possession game that they just kind of, you know, clinch as they as they grind out the clock in the fourth quarter. Well, there you go, Hutch. You're welcome. Alex and I will take the flag for being homers. We let you take the closer pick. So, um, well, thank you guys for listening to the Hogbeat Hour. Arkansas plays Penn State 11 a.m. ESPN two on Saturday, New Year's Day. Um, thank you guys for listening to the Hogbeat Hour, and uh, have a good weekend. You're listening to the Hogbeat Hour with Andrew Hutchinson, Alex Trader, and Mason Choate on ESPN Arkansas on HitThatLine.com.